0: Thanks for joining us on the That's Rather Cavalier podcast. Before we get to it, make sure you follow us wherever you get your audio podcasts. Just search FFSN That's Rather Cavalier. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Also, check out our Cavs shorts on the Noida's YouTube channel. Now let's get to it. That's Rather Cavalier, Cleveland Cavalier podcast, rocking it out tonight with my boy BP as we go forward and move forward with this Cleveland Cavaliers talk. Hey, before we get to the podcast, make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and if you look live, you'll catch us on YouTube with the download and chopping it up about That's Rather Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Sitting here with my boy BP. BP, what's cracking, lacking, man? What's
1: going on? Hey, Big G, how you doing tonight, man? It's good to be on with you, and uh, let's talk some Cavaliers Summer League and some of these off-season transactions. For sure, for sure, man. Hey, also, make sure you double back and you catch up on
0: my boy, Tate Boy Fresh and Relly Hall as they continue to bring us That's Rather Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers podcast on the Fans First Sports Network, rocking out with Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This evening, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Cavaliers' two preseason games that's played, and we ain't going to spoil it for the third preseason game that's been played. But BP, the Cavs are 2-0 and in preseason, mopping it up, kicking it up, doing it up, doing their thing. Talk to me a little bit about what you see
1: from the Cavs in the Summer League Basketball for the NBA. Yeah, so far, the Cavs have won their first two summer league games. They've looked pretty good. I think they put together a pretty good roster. And uh, last time I checked, they were winning their third game by 20 points going into the fourth quarter. So far, you know, guys like uh, Isaiah Mobley have looked good. Uh, Sam Merrill, the, sh- the shooting guard, has looked good. Very good. So is like I said, Isaiah Mobley. And uh, and Imani Bates has showed up pretty well as well, like basically getting double figures in every game. And I think each game that uh, – that, uh, Imani Bates has played in his shot selections gotten better and he's become like a better uh, facilitator and a better teammate like so he's basically playing more within the framework of the team so that's my thoughts so far on uh, summer league also Sharif Cooper's done a nice job in the first game he had 27 points and lately he's also been sort of more concentrating more on running the team and getting giving out assists but it's leading towards winning basketball so far in the summer league
0: for sure for sure BP Hey, so I'm going to ask you, it's looking like right now when the Cavaliers put together their roster for this upcoming season, there's going to be at least three spots available for the guys from the summer league to move up into the regular rotation. And it looks like there's going to be three spots available for guys to get two-way contracts. So if you had to identify three guys for sure that'll be on the regular roster for the Cleveland Cavaliers and three guys that will get the two-way contracts between the G League, Talk to me about the guys that you like in those three positions, both G League and regular rotation.
1: I mean, as far as making, let's say, the Cavs final 15 man roster, I think Isaiah Mobley has looked pretty good in this summer league where you know he's 6'10. He he can maybe he can fill this power forward backup role, the kind of role that Kevin Love was doing, the kind of role Dean Wade failed to do. Yeah possible you know Mobley you know obviously is is he's improved like he's actually on the telecast they're calling him sort of like a point forward where he's also a very good passer from the foul line down yeah almost kind of like what Brad Doherty used to do like very yeah. good yeah very good passer from like the like the high post and he can knock down the three he can rebound you know again he needs to add some more beef to himself kind of like his brother Evan but he's a little bit thicker than Evan Mobley his brother yeah. So, you know, I think Isaiah Mobley showed very well. Sam Merrill, you know, has shown that he's a very good shooter. Like I said, in the third game tonight, as of the, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter, he had 27 points. Mm-hmm. So he's got a hell of a trigger. I mean, this guy can shoot. I don't know if he'll make the final roster, but he'll have a shot.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: certainly would have had a shot but if they didn't add Max Struess and George Ning. But, you know, so he's already got these shooters that are making big money in front of him. But I think he's pretty much made the 15-man roster. I think he's got a contract for the coming season. Yeah. And then regarding Imani Bates, I still think, I don't know if he'll make the final roster because I really think he needs more seasoning. He needs to get some more muscle on him, get a little bit more, you know, he needs, again, to learn how to play the NBA game, not so selfish and more, you know, team-driven. But -hmm. again, he's put up double figures in every game. I I really like the kid. I think he's got hell of a potential. Yeah. I will not sleep on him at all. I mean, I think this guy, if there's some injuries during the season, I think he can contribute to the Cavs this coming season.
0: Yeah, agreed. So that's the three guys that you're saying will probably make the roster. Who's the got the three guys that you could see going to G League contracts with two way positions? I'll tell you one right off the back that I think is going to make the two way G League, and that's Pete Nance from North Carolina. I think there's no doubt about it that Pete Nance is a professional basketball player. He has a pedigree of an of his father played in the league he has a pedigree of his brother who played in the league and i think he's going to be a professional player that's going to come in put in work and, and and fight for positioning to be a two-way player from the g League for the Cavs. but that's the one guy i identify for sure can you name two other guys or is there a third guy that you like even more
1: well i do like i've always had my eye on pete nance when he was at northwestern you know he used to play against ohio state he always put up good numbers he's a solid guy He played basketball locally at Revere High School outside of, you know, halfway between Cleveland and Akron. He's, uh, you know, actually my son's team competed against Revere in some games. um, So they've always had a good team down there at Revere High School. That's where Larry Nance still lives. Larry Nance Sr. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a great, I think that's a great call, you know, that he would be on the G League team. And again, he's got a great, you know, pedigree with the Nance family he's you know he's a good player i mean he did a good job for north carolina this past season as well university of north carolina i think the Sharif cooper has impressed me i mean he's impressed that coach seth greenberg who was doing the espn game today yeah again Sharif cooper can he can get by anybody he can blow by any defender he can get into the paint i mean i actually i would have been fine with him as a like a third string point guard i don't you know i would have had him on the Cavs roster just to save some money but the Cavs brought in that tie jerome as their third string point guard but yeah. I would have been fine with Sharif Cooper. I think he's got a hell of a quick, you know, first step. He's a hell of a point guard. Yeah. A lot of people think very highly of him. And, uh, you know, I think and even the big center, Diop or Jop. I don't know. But he's a big guy, man. He yeah. is Yeah. Low. I mean, Space I can almost Yeah, he's big. I and mean, he makes Mobley look small. Yeah. And he's got like an NBA body already. I think he's really uh, built himself up in the last year. Probably with his like weight training, nutrition, all that. You know, when the Cavs draft these guys, even though they he's been overseas, you know, the Cavs are overseeing their uh, development. Yeah. He looks like he could be some kind of a third string backup center too. And, you know, get him. So I wouldn't sleep on him, on him either. You never know. But he's pretty good on defense. He's one of the reasons why the Cavs are winning these games by 10 points. He is just, you know, putting the clamps down when people come into the paint. For
0: sure. For sure. BP. I love every take you said, man. And I really do believe that the Cavs are infusing youth into their roster at the same time working to build to win the conference because, let's face it, in basketball and football, you got to be the best in your division to put in work to make a run for the championship. So let's win the division first, and let's do that before we get to talking about making it to the conference finals or the NBA finals, for sure, for sure. So, BP, we had a big sighting, Victor... When Benyana cited down in the summer league for in, in Las Vegas for the San Antonio Spurs after game one, a lot of people, including our boy Tate Boy Fresh, was a little critical about Victor's first game performance. Game two, he blew it out the park, man. Something like 27 8 and 6 with a whole bunch of blocks and a whole bunch of assists. He did so well that the Spurs and coach Pop. Shut him down for the rest of the seat for the rest of the, the summer league. And they said, Man, let's get him in shape and ready to roll for the season. Your first impressions on Victor Wimbanana.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first game Wimbanana was disappointing. You know, he was p- almost playing like a guard, like Reggie Miller, like, you know, just shooting threes and really not trying to get down low. I mean, you know, this guy is seven foot four.
0: Yeah. You Legit.
1: Know, yeah. I mean, some people call him 7'5", some people call him 7'3", so I'll just, I'll play it down the middle. I'll say he's seven 7'4". He completely yeah. reminds me of Ralph Sampson. Yeah. When I was in college, I saw Sampson play uh, firsthand in uh, Washington, D.C., when Virginia came to D.C. So yeah. I, I, you know, this guy reminds me of Ralph Sampson completely. And yeah. Sampson, back in the day, would also settle for a lot of outside jumpers because he didn't yeah. want to mix it up down low and get hurt. Yeah. So... I can see, you know, Wenbanyan is also, he's only 19 years old. So he's got a long way to go. And I think the Spurs, I said this in our previous podcast, I think they're going to, you know, start him off real slow. They're going to start him off playing like a small forward. They're not going to throw him to the wolves. He's yeah. not going to be playing, you know, guarding Jokic and Embiid. They'll, they'll have somebody else do that. And, you know, he's already sort of, he's gotten some, uh, a taste of the NBA. He's already got some scrapes and some, you know, he's already, he, he, he can tell that this, he had a good game against Portland the other night with 27 points, but Portland didn't have anybody tall on him. They right. were guarding him with uh, Jabari Walker, who who's uh, basically a, a power forward. Correct. So I don't I don't think uh, when Nyan is out of the woods yet, I still think he's going to struggle against uh, guys like uh, Embiid. You know the tough guys, and I think guys are going to want to put 50 on him, like in the regular season. I think he's going to have a target on his back because I think yeah. guys wanna, like I think when Giannis plays him. When the joker plays him when Embiid plays him those guys are going to want to go for 50. yeah to sort of show them who's the boss yeah you know but i still i'm impressed with him i think he'll he could be an all-star this year maybe squeak into an all-star role with the spurs i don't think they're going to win that many games yeah but again obviously you know i think he's got a hell of a future ahead of him but i think it's not going to be easy i think there's going to be a lot you know there's going to be a lot of growing pains for Wembanyama.
0: yeah The future is definitely bright in San Antonio. And, you know, the big thing is, is that how good will they be when they start out with him? But just like the Spurs have always done in the past, when they build around a big man, how dangerous do they get? They've already proven they've done it with David Robinson. They definitely did it with Tim Duncan. So now here comes big man number three. So I'm excited. Even though we're here talking about the Cavs, the San Antonio Spurs definitely are a team of the future. For sure, for sure in the NBA. Hey, so... So check this out. We're going to take a little quick commercial break. We're going to pause from 10, pay some bills, and we'll be right back at you with That's Rather Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers podcast on Fans First Sports Network. And we're back with That's Rather Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers podcast on the FFSN Sports Network. Rocking it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can check us on YouTube. And hey, if you get an opportunity, check out the know-it-alls with the TikTok because that's where you can check all the information for That's Rather Cavaliers on the video side of the podcast. Hey, so as we're sitting here talking I'm sitting with my boy BP, chopping it up about Cavs, Summer League, and all the good stuff that we love about basketball. BP, they announced the midseason tournament for the NBA. First of all, I just can't believe it actually is happening and it's an actual real thing. But they announced the tournament. They announced how it's going to go. They're thinking that this is going to be a good thing. Man, your first thoughts about the mid-season NBA tournament that they announced for the 2023-2024 NBA season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing, we've all been hearing about this mid-season tournament for a couple of years now, and I really didn't like it. I mean, I I was like, you know, why do we need more of these sort of artificial, you know, tournaments and, you know, artificial incentives for these guys that are making millions of dollars a year? You know, I... You know, they said the winner's going to get $500,000. I don't know if that's $500,000 a man or $500,000 divided by, you know, 15 guys. But if it's 500 grand divided by 15 guys, that's not that much for these NBA players. I'll tell you that right now. Right. So I don't, I still don't love the idea now that they kind of, you know, fleshed out what the thing is. Okay. They broke the 30 NBA teams up into six brackets. Yep. So they got like the Cavs playing the Sixers and the Pacers and, I don't even love that either because we already played those teams a lot. Yeah, I thought maybe it would been more fun if they had the Cavs playing teams from the Western Conference, you know, yeah. to create maybe some more rivalries with the West, like maybe teams that are closer to us, like let's just say uh, like Memphis or, you know, different teams that are out in the West. Yeah. So I don't, I just don't love it. I don't, and then they're, they're, they're going to be playing these games on Tuesday nights and Friday nights. So it's like, what are those games supposed to matter more than the games on, you know, Saturdays and Wednesdays? Yeah. To me, it's very convoluted, very calculating. You can, they're trying, what they're trying to do, I think, is to, you know, create some interest, like in the doldrums of the wintertime, like in November and December. Correct. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I, when I go to an NBA game, I have fun. It's a great time. I don't need, you know, an incentive of some tournament to either put the game on in my house or go down to the arena. I just don't get it. The only good thing I think come from, from this is like, let's say a team that's like a bottom feeder, like Oklahoma city yeah, or like Indiana Pacers, maybe gives them a chance to win something during the season when they just like, let's say, let's say Oklahoma city has no chance to win the NBA title this year. Same thing for like, let's say Oklahoma city or uh, Indiana, you know, or Detroit, maybe they get, it gives them a chance to win some games and win this trophy in the middle of December. That's yeah. the only good I can see from it, but I, I can also see, You know, it's also it's going to, you know, I don't know if the veteran teams are going to want to go because they're going to have to like get on a plane, fly to Vegas, spend time. It's I don't know to me, it's a lot of aggravation, a lot of trouble. And I don't even know if it's worth it. You know, for guys like you think Kawhi Leonard's going to care about this and guys like LeBron. I don't think they're going to care. In fact, they might even like lose some games on purpose so they don't have to partake, partake in the final rounds of this thing. What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, the issue is, is that the championship game can only add one additional game to the regular season. So if you make it all the way to the championship game, you're going to play an 83rd game on the season, which, you know, teams are already talking about low management, how this works and what it doesn't. I think the only interesting part, and I think they're going to try it out this year, but I think eventually they're going to move from the incentive being money to rankings. And how a team plays in the season tournament is going to have a direct line of direct linkage on how they line up on playoff contention. So yeah. I think I think they're going to try it out this year. But I I think what this also gives is an opportunity for the transition from the young players in the NBA to transition to the leadership for the new player for the older players in the NBA. Because let's face it, over the next three to five years, LeBron James is going to fade out, Steph Curry is going to fade out. James Harden's going to fade out. Dame Dollar's going to fade out. All these top players that we know are going to fade out to the distance. So the midseason tournament gives an opportunity for the young guys, especially like the young people that we see in the summer league, an opportunity to shine and get their shine on, on a world stage because the parallelisms between the NBA tournament and soccer tournaments are the same. Because remember, the NBA is a global game. It's not a North American game. It's a global game. So they're trying to sell it and sell their young talent. That's just my thoughts, BP. What do you think about what I said?
1: No, I like your thoughts. And I mean, that's kind of why I said, like, the the only thing I think that the good that could come out of this tournament is like a younger team. Like you're talking about, like an Oklahoma City, an Indiana Pacers, a Detroit Pistons, a team that has no chance to win the NBA title, but they might have a chance to win this midseason tournament. Yeah. It's almost like the NIT tournament in college. A lot of times a team, yeah. a younger team would win the NIT tournament in college and the next year come back and be a force in the NCAA tournament. So yeah. this could be sort of like a forebearer of that where like a team, you know, like a youngish team like Oklahoma City, Indiana, even like a Sacramento could win this midseason tournament and then come back and win the NBA tournament, the NBA championship the next year. So I yeah. think it could be great experience and pressurized games, you know, for these players. I don't still love it because, I mean – I don't. I didn't love the play-in tournament either. I thought that was a kind of you know much ado about nothing. Where yeah. you know why well, play this regular season of eighty-two games? You know, like the Cavs the last year in twenty twenty-two, they they would have had the seventh seed or the sixth seed, and then you know they lost to Brooklyn and they lost to the Hawks, and they were basically bounced out of the playoffs. Right. They would have had that sixth seed. Right. So I didn't. You know, I didn't love the play-in tournament. I think they you they invented the play-in tournament a couple years ago to get zion williamson into the playoffs back in the bubble back in 2020 yeah the nba is a very calculating league you know they try to say like oh you know a lot of it's just for tv money and the revenues and to prevent tanking you know but they try to say oh you know they try to pretend it's all inclusive and but a lot of it is basically they want to build their brand and, and get away from the tanking and and they've done a good job as far as Bring, bringing more parity to the NBA where there's there's a lot more teams now can, that can win the championship now as opposed to like when the Cavs and Golden State were playing every yeah. year for the finals.
0: Yeah, for sure, but for sure, BP. One
1: last thing I want to say about this playing tournament is I have a I have an idea where like, let's say, you know, maybe the top two teams that finish in the uh, midseason tournament would get automatic bids to the playoffs. That to yeah. me, now that would be cool. Yeah. Or let's say you get an up-and-coming team like Detroit. You know, Maybe if they finish in the top two, then they get an automatic playoff bid. Yeah. Same thing for like Oklahoma City. Now, that would be kind of cool and enticing because then yeah. there's some real stakes involved here. Like, yeah. You know that, that, that upstart team could make it into the playoffs based on the midseason tournament. I yeah. don't think the NBA would do that, because. but you never know. That's my thought to make it really enticing and kind of cool.
0: Love those thoughts, BPs. I really think that that is going to be something that you see evolve moving forward with the NBA. Hey, so BP, you had a question. The question was, would you rather have Victor Wembanyama or Evan Mobley? That's the question. That's the thing BP wanted to talk about. So BP, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. Just rock out with your thoughts about having Mobley or Wembanyama at this stage of the game for the Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at Wembenyama, you can almost, you know, you could be jealous. You could say, "Well, you know, this uh, man, San Antonio got—they hit the lottery. You know, they—they they might win two, three, four championships with this guy, and I believe they will win a championship with Wembenyama." Yeah, with the cat with Evan Mobley, I don't think it's that much of a given. I don't, I don't think it's that much of a layup. I think it'll be harder. Yeah. Also, based on the geography, San Antonio is in you know warm climate. I think they'll be able to recruit guys to go down there. Yeah. So, in my opinion. You know, I almost, they, they could be even type players, but in the end, I think Wimbana will win more titles with San Antonio than Mobley will win with the Cavs based on yeah. a lot of different factors. Even like this thing with like, you know, the weather in San Antonio and then, you know, Popovich, whoever, six like Popovich just signed a five-year, $80 million extension, which, which is insane.
0: Pop is you know, a huge factor, huge yeah, factor.
1: Right, but I my next point is, Popovich probably won't even finish out that contract, but whoever, he's going to hand pick his successor. Correct. That could, that could be Steve Kerr. Yeah. You know, that could be, you, you know, name the best young coach in the game. That could be, uh, you know, Kenny Atkinson. Whoever Popovich picks as his successor. Yeah. That guy is going to inherit one banana and probably some championship caliber teams. Yeah. Which I think they have an edge over Cleveland in that kind of a regard between one banana and Popovich and also like the good weather down in San Antonio. What yeah. do
0: you think? I agree. I agree. Well, the only thing about with the Cavs, I think that the Cleveland's got to make up their mind, and I hate to say it or bring it back around, but it always comes back. The issue is what we're going to do with Donovan Mitchell. You know, if, if Donovan Mitchell does not want to stay at Cavaliers, it's time to trade him and get pieces to build around Mobley and Garland because I think we do have two great young anchors, but the road in the east might just be a little bit more front stacked Where the role in the West, there's a whole bunch more teams. So I I like Mobley. I love Mobley. I think Mobley's definitely going to be a top five forward here in the next year or two. But the issue is the Cavs cannot be stagnant and need to make a decision concerning Mitchell. Either Mitchell stays or Mitchell goes. If Mitchell goes, let's get the pieces around Mobley to build a franchise and go after a championship. That's just my thoughts, BP. And that's what I'm thinking about just for this t- particular topic.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, today, again, I was watching a tape of the Summer League game, and uh, all the Cavs were in the front row. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, they're watching the Cavs play, the whoever they're yeah, playing. Yeah,
0: the LeVert. LeVert, Yeah, I see. Karis where...
1: LeVert was at a game. Isaac Okoro yeah. was at a game. Yeah. Um, uh, George Niang was there. Yeah. Uh, Max Struce showed up today. Struce, yep, yep. Yeah, they then were there. today Donovan Mitchell was there in the front row. And, you know, he seemed pretty happy. They interviewed yeah. him. You know, Dave McMenamin, uh, you know, from ESPN interviewed him. He seems very happy with the Cavs. This does not seem like a guy who's disgruntled or wants to leave anytime soon. I mean, yeah. They've got a great bunch of young guys here. They're all from age 21 to 26. Yeah. They're all buddies. Now they, you know, they brought in some of Donovan Mitchell's buddies from Utah Jazz, like George and Yang. Yeah. And, uh, the other guy, uh, Jones, Damian Jones. Yeah, I big mean, they're center. In, yeah. You know, they're bringing in good guys. I mean, this is a very tight-knit group of players. All good guys and all, you know, friends. And I think they're going to go far, you know, with this group. And it, to me, I think Don Mitchell is going to stay here long term. I could be wrong, but, yeah, you know, and, you know, a lot of times it's just it's going to take, like, Evan. I said all along, Evan Mobley is the key. If this guy can keep growing, internally, organically, go from 16 and and 8 to 20 and 10, and you bring in some of these shooters, and, you know, who knows, maybe the the trade deadline, you bring in a guy like DeMar DeRozan to finish this thing off,
0: Yeah, boom, You know,
1: there you go, then you, Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they're they're not that great, they're not infallible, neither is Philly,
0: or Boston,
1: Boston. yeah, Boston, Porzingis always gets hurt, like Porzingis, remember, Porzingis had a good year with Washington, because there was no pressure on them, they were a bad team, he was playing for a contract. When when Porzingis, he has not proven to be a, a, a money player, a pressure player in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens with Boston. A lot of the experts feel that Boston made a mistake getting rid of uh, Marcus Smart and bringing in Porzingis. Agree. Kind of yeah. So even though on paper it looks like a good move, but you know a lot of times these these teams are built on you know like uh, like heart and soul guys, guys like Draymond Green and Marcus Smart.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. All right, BP, we come to the time when we do the closing thoughts on That's Rather Cavaliers podcast. What's your closing thoughts on the program tonight and for the Cavaliers moving forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the Cavs, you know, the whole kind of offseason, which has almost come to a conclusion here because you've had your your NBA draft, you've had your free agent signings and your trades, and now you got Summer League coming to an end pretty soon. So based on all that i mean I, I think the Cavs have done okay again uh i didn't love the max strew signing because i felt you know he it's a stretch for him to be considered a starting small forward at six five you know when you've got you know guys playing small forward like uh jason tatum and michael porter jr and tobias harris chris middleton these guys are all six eight and taller yeah. you know so i think but I think the Cavs are going to kind of employ like a platoon system with, you know, maybe start Max Strus, but then bring yeah. in Isaac Okoro, then bring in George Yang and Karis Lavert. Yeah. are going to have going to be about eight or nine deep. So it's going to be like a platoon system of, uh, you know, one guy, one night, you know, Lavert might have 21 points and next day he might have six points. Same thing for Stroops. You know, I, I just – it's going to be like almost like the old Cavaliers from the Brad Doherty days where – Yeah, yeah. You know, you had six or seven guys getting double figures and who no one even cared because you're going to win 55 games. Exactly, exactly. I think that's kind of what they're building towards here with a lot of depth, a lot of good guys, you know, and, you know, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, I still – I think the Cavs will win somewhere like 50-plus games this year, but I think maybe, you know, I think they're going to go pretty far this year. I think this year will be a lot more – uh like, fulfilling than last year for the Cleveland Cavs.
0: Agreed, agreed. Hey, so Big G's parting shots today is I'm super excited about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the young summer league, Imani Bates, Pete Nance, and the rest of the crew rocking out, and to see all the Cavs there to support the young fellas getting better, to build talent, to try to bring a championship home to Cleveland. And for sure, for sure, BP, your comment about Looking like an old school Cavalier squad with Mark Price, Ron Harper, Larry Nance, uh, John Hot Rod Williams and the crew. Yeah, it's starting to resemble something like that. So I love it. Love it. Hey, so for Big G, BP, Tay Boy Fresh and Rally Hall, or that's rather Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers podcast on Fans First Sports Network. We're out of here. Let's go Cavs. Let's go Cavs. Let's go Cavs.